Hello, and welcome to episode 36 of On the Side, a podcast about the passions we pursue whenever we can. A couple months ago, I had put out a call for guests to source some new people for the podcast, and my friend slash producer, Jordan, came back to me and said, you have to speak to this woman I play Ultimate Frisbee with. And what resulted was a super interesting chat with Julie Sussman, art assistant slash ultimate frisbee superhero and overall sports enthusiast. Our chat really opened my eyes to kind of the power of sports, the community building aspect to it, and how it can really change all aspects of your life. I'll let Julie explain, um, but before we get into it, technical note, our phones would not stop going off during this recording, so apologies for any beeps or dings and wonderful heater slash ambulance noises going on outside my apartment. All right, take a listen. Julie, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Um, so just to kick it off, why don't you just tell me what you do and then some of the things you do on the side. Okay. I work for this company called the Criterion Collection. Um, it's a DVD film production company. It's the best place to work. Uh, I'm very fortunate and I work in the art department there. Very cool. Um, and I guess my side thing? Yeah, all your side things. Um, some of my side things include ultimate frisbee, Ultimate Frisbee and Ultimate Frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great trifecta. <laughs> <laughs> really just makes me a well-rounded individual. Yeah. Um, so confession, we, full disclosure, our producer Jordan is sitting in the corner for everyone listening. Um, and we <laughs> were trying, I was trying to ask, what does Julie do like during the day? And we couldn't figure it out. Um, and so, but I'm really psyched to hear that you work for the Criterion Collection because I've heard of it before and I want to hear about what that's like. Oh, it's a... Yeah, I actually like to keep it a secret. I don't like... Because oh. there's, so, there's so much more interest in mystery than in reality. <laughs> um, but I just won't tell any of my friends I'm on this. Yeah. Uh, normally, a day is... Um, in the art department is... What I do is I'm an art assistant, so... I will inventory all of the art and archive it so I get to look at, like, amazing behind-the-scenes stuff, um, handle, like, like today, John Waters. Um, I handle some of his photos for polyester and female trouble. Um, that's one part. Another part is we have a, uh, a large web presence, so um, we work with in, insane designers, and then I will, like, take their work and then promote it through advertisements and different, like, manipulations of their artwork into different sizes it's pretty graphic designy pretty standard but um uh just being around all that art and culture is like amazing and the people that I work with are obsessive and perfectionist and so interesting and uh so it's really cool that's awesome I I studied art history so I'm like jazz that you're dealing with all this all these artifacts and, and stuff like that yeah um, what's the, what's the coolest thing you've handled? Um, just recently some Michael Childers negatives came in. Um, those were for Midnight Cowboy. And so, um, 
it's just really cool. Um, you feel like, not that you're like a part of history, but it, the history like comes to you, it comes more alive. And he was in the um, office actually, and I was like showing him the work I scanned and retouched. And he was like, oh, can you bounce the levels? And it was just like so intimidating, but it was like you get to meet all these amazing people that come through the, the office that have all these stories to tell. Like he was just like saying really interesting stuff that I cannot repeat, <laughs> but um, it's just like, yeah. Every day is, is you feel, um, like, I don't like to use the term, like, blessed, but very fortunate that um, you get to be contribute in this small part of, of introducing people to these amazing things. That's so great. Yeah. I feel like you rarely get to hear people talk about their day job like that, <laughs> on, like, that level. <laughs> it's so awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I am not qualified to work there, but... <laughs> <laughs> Why do you say that? Um, like most jobs, I got like... I started as like a scanner, and it was like... And then it was like, oh, you could probably do this and this and this and this. And yeah. then... Um, but like I went to NYU for biology and psychology, so it's like totally unqualified. Well, okay, because that was going to be my next question. Like, oh, do you have a background in art? Like, how does that... No. Okay, so how... <laughs> what's the story there? Um... So I've always liked art, and I actually, I got a master's in science and um, graphic animation, but I thought it, what, I mean... T together, or like... Yeah, so together, I went to NYU, um, the School of Continuing and Professional Studies, because I thought I was, like, going to be a, a veterinarian for a long time, and then, um, then I was like, no, I don't want to be that, and then I worked with um, Doctors Without Borders, and was thinking, Casual, oh, like, <laughs> well, no, no, like, just, like, for this, like, sp small program that was associated with the school, and I was like, oh, I could do a medical animation. Um, they had this really cool program where they were giving portable DVDs to people um, and putting basic surgical and medical procedures on this DVD that were animated that they could bring into places that didn't have access to hospitals or stuff oh, wow. so that they could, like, educate people, um, that didn't have the, like, couldn't get places, like, outside of the, like, the cities into the rural areas, because there are some very rural areas. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know how that program finished out, but it was very rewarding to <laughs> work on it. That's amazing. So, yeah, so then, oh, but circling back, when I was at NYU, uh, I worked in the Office of uh, Student Affairs, and my friend Eric worked there, and he had a job, he's, like, an amazing designer and he has like a book out and stuff and he works at Criterion and he was like the one who was like hey why don't you scan you can be a monkey you know and I was <laughs> like I can be a great monkey and so that's how I got my job that's amazing yeah um so when you're I'm just curious when you were doing the medical animation were you doing I just knew someone who used to work off cadavers is that a thing that Wow, that's actually yeah. so above whatever I did, and that's <laughs> okay. so cool. That's like the um, one association I have with it. No, that would that's really interesting. No, um, we worked off video, so they would present us with video and have doctors come in and say, and like, not that this is anything like med school, but you know, they'd say like, these are the procedures, these are the the specific things that we need to do, and the reason they wanted medical animation was because when you look at a video. You know, the human body is very complex. A lot of things are going on. Um, there's not a standard. So if you can remove a lot of the, like, internal stuff that doesn't need to be there, yeah, and it's like, yeah, so you can be, like, 
this is specifically what we need you to animate. And so that was mm-hmm. what we worked on. So uh-huh. just videos, no, no, no poking bodies. Oh, okay. I know. I'm also realizing this is very appropriate because you have a zombie on your shirt. Oh, so yeah. It's all, <laughs> it's all coming together. I don't know what you dress like for a podcast. So. Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> I've got, I've no got apparel way. for radio. <laughs> um, okay, so then, so you studied more you know medicine yeah kind of um almost became a vet uh almost as a stretch but yeah (laughs) um so then I guess was were sports always there also yeah so sadly enough I chose NYU for their sports department really which is a really (laughs) sad thing to say um when I was in high school I didn't really care where I went to college and I applied to like 15 schools just like randomly. Um, and I didn't visit any of them. But one of the prerequisites was they all had to have a lacrosse program. Okay. Where are you from? Uh, Oakland, California. Okay. So not really a lacrosse happy area either. But I absolutely loved it. And I thought I could get a... I mean, I was like, I'm going to get a good college education no matter where I go. Let's yeah. also play lacrosse. Yeah. And you played in high school? I did. Okay. And before that too? No. Um, I was introduced to a Jew sophomore year oh. sophomore year of high school yeah so but I just I fell in love with it I love that sport what do you like about it um the pace uh I think that there's a lot of complexity to it I think there's some nuance um and I really uh, in general I really enjoy team sports I like sports in general like I'll watch pretty much any sport okay. um and even like the sports that I don't really enjoy watching, I think that there's interesting things to learn, and I like strategy and I, I like competition. So yeah. So okay, so college had to have lacrosse, and you they had it at NYU. They did. Okay, How but was- not my freshman year because they couldn't find a coach. It was like <laughs> oh. the, the worst decision ever. Oh no! Wait, so did they not even have a team? <laughs> no. Or, oh. Yeah, it was pretty sad. God. <laughs> How did you deal? Um, there was club programs in New York you could like play around with and stuff. Okay. And then we found a coach. Yeah. <laughs> Got it together. How was the team? Uh, we went to Na- this is so this is a club sport, not a, a divisional sport. I didn't think I definitely couldn't have made D one, mm. and I thought D three would be too rigorous to balance academics with. Well, I did apply to some D threes, but there was always the like concern. That, that that balance between academics and sports might be, not be a, a healthy one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so NYU is a club, and I was like, oh, that's okay. But we did go to nationals in the club division of lacrosse, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. That sounds super impressive. No, it was, it was <laughs> fun, you know. Everybody has their moments. Yeah, you're talking to someone who did one season of JV volleyball in high school. Hey, and volleyball. <laughs> Love volleyball. My sophomore year, non-contact. It was great. <laughs> and I was doing dance team the rest of the time, which was also non-contact. So that's my sports kind of... <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, okay, so, so volleyball was my first love. Oh, okay. Yeah, but in, in middle school, I was tearing it up, and I was, like, ruining the field. And then <laughs> people can't hear this, but I'm actually very short. And so when I got to high school... It's a big presence, though. <laughs> when I got to high school, everyone was like, wait, you're trying out for volleyball? And they thought I was the setter. 
Oh. And because like I had never done that because I was like, oh, I'm like I'm the one that's I can slamming spike the ball. It, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so they were like, oh, you're not you're not good. <laughs> oh. So I, I worked with the team. Um, like I was their statistician during games and then I would come to practice because I was like good enough to like play with the good players. Yeah. Like to help them get better. Yeah. But oh my God, that's, that's so awesome. <laughs> Do you ever play know, volleyball now? I haven't played since. And it's so funny because like I went to a Jewish high school and so like everyone's like tiny like Jewish girls. And so there was no, yeah, no tall people. So it was all kind of level, but... I think I kind of tried out just to some major tangent, but try just to kind of like prove that I could do it because my school didn't have like cheerleading or anything. So basketball and volleyball were like the cool, cool things to do. And I was like, I'm just going to do it just to see if I, and I made the team. I was like, oh crap. Now I have to like <laughs> stick it out just, <laughs> and it was terrible. Like the, like the girls on the team wouldn't talk to me and I was like, no, I got to do it. Like just for the, Yeah. Wow. So that was like my one sports. Oh. Foray. I'm yeah. so angry at those girls. Yeah, my mom is too. <laughs> <laughs> she still brings it up. But um, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, that's volleyball. Back to lacrosse. <laughs> you're in college, you're doing lacrosse. Um, how does Ultimate find its way in there? So my friend Karen Lee at the time was like, hey, you play lacrosse. Lacrosse is a spring sport. You should play ultimate frisbee. It's a fall sport, and it will keep you in good shape. Okay. Um, she lied to me. It's actually <laughs> a spring sport. But she figured if she could get me going in the fall um, that I would continue it on. And so I did. And it was like a, a bit of a juggling act, actually. And like I was way more dedicated to lacrosse than frisbee, but I did really like frisbee. Um, this is kind of also sad, but um, uh, I started playing uh, in 2001, in the fall of 2001. In New York? Yeah. yeah. Um, it was a really great way to get out of the city. There were a lot of opportunities to just go to tournaments and not be here. And that, that was really helpful. I feel like that makes sense. You yeah. just need to like need an escape for a little bit yeah see some greenery run around yeah uh what kind of places did you guys go to um you go to a lot of uh other college campuses and you see what you missed (laughs) (laughs) you're like oh rochester dartmouth (laughs) princeton green what's what's a quad (laughs) oh my god um, Haverford, uh, so all up and down the Eastern Seaboard, um, we just got to go and see like really cool campuses and play a bunch of other teams from all the different universities. Mm-hmm. Um, so you didn't get to really go anywhere exotic, but I mean, I guess the most exotic thing you do traditionally is you drive down to Savannah and play in a week-long tournament over spring break. So while everybody else yeah. is going to Cancun. <laughs> Savannah's cool. <laughs> it, it actually is really cool. We usually have spring break during um, St. Patrick's Day, and they have a massive St. Patrick's Day festival, which is totally random. But um, it is definitely not as wild as it could be, but it's super fun. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so then how did you just pick it up? How did that... Yeah, and for anybody listening, you can totally pick it up too. 
<laughs> this is my sad plea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's fun. Come play. Um, yeah. It, I think one of the things that makes Frisbee so fun is it really is um, really easy to pick up. Um, it's... I think that everybody is a little bit comfortable with the concept of Frisbee because, or like ultimate, like having a disc in their hands because so many people have just like thrown a, a disc once in their lifetime. Yeah. Um, maybe not as common as like basketball or soccer, but I think it's, it, it's not like a lacrosse stick or a hockey stick where people are like, oh my God, like, I don't know what that foreign object is, or it, it's very intimidating. It's like, ah, okay, it's a Frisbee. Um, and then... I think that the skill set that you need to play it at a moderate level comes quickly. I think that the learning curve for Ultimate is very, very high. Mm-hmm. Um, because one, you don't have to run with the object. So you don't have to like think about your feet and think about the motion. You're mm-hmm. like, you are stopped and then you have to, then you can throw it. Is there is there pivoting allowed? Is There's there... definitely pivoting. Okay. <laughs> I need so you, to know the so technical. It's, it, yeah. <laughs> it's not freeze tag where you catch the disc and you're like frozen. And oh. um, no, 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 no. These are great questions. Okay. Um, definitely, definitely ask. Yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, I, I, Jordan's like judging from the. <laughs> yeah, like, Jordan. Let like, me know if you make any of these He's like, like, it's the hardest. He's like, sport. I can't believe she can tell you couldn't pivot. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Uh, I think that the fact that you don't run with the disc, like you catch the disc and then you throw. So I think that that stop um, gives people a little bit more time. Um, I do think learning how to throw specific throws is somewhat challenging, but it's really fun and rewarding. And the reason I think that there's a little bit more um, ease to it is with like in basketball and hockey and soccer, you're shooting at a stationary object and you have to beat somebody else. Whereas in Frisbee, you're, it's all passes. So you're throwing to an object in motion. So you have this greater area of error. So even if you throw like something terrible, a person can probably like go and catch it. So as you're like overcoming your own throwing inabilities, like you're still succeeding. And I think that's also rewarding. And yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I'm just saying that like, that's so poetic. (laughs) I would have never thought about it like that. Um, yeah. And I guess as a as an athlete, you also kind of had that advantage. You brought, like, certain skills to it. Yes, for sure. I think that Frisbee is still sort of, like, an outlier in the sports world. And I think, um, I think when I was recruited, it was like, oh, my God, you've played another sport. Like, <laughs> you have some advantages there just on, like, you're willing to commit to a team and um, your background in like training. I think Ultimate is getting to a point where people are now playing it specifically just in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I were to come into college as I was at, at that point, like take me then and bring me into now, I think I would have been at a, I would be at somewhat of a disadvantage because I think people are now playing it a lot more in high school. Whereas like when I went to college, I came in as a junior and it was like, oh, okay, I can be like a starter on this team because I know how to run. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's not, and not to intimidate anyone from starting in college <laughs> or in high school. A lot of people are still learning in college. Um, and that's a problem that we're trying to 
deal with. But um, yeah, I think it is growing as a sport in that sport mentality area. Why do you say it's an outlier? Um, I think that there is a perspective uh, well, you've, you have your top five sports, right? The professional sports where people are, like, um, conscientious of it due to, like, media. And then I think that because of Ultimate's background, its name, um, such a bad name. <laughs> like, Gotta rebrand. <laughs> they really do. You type in, like, Ultimate in, in Google and, like, what are you going to get? Um, <laughs> I think that, like... It had a, a lot of associations with, like, hippies and dogs. Mm-hmm. And I think it's had to, like, grow from that perception. Um, and even still, it is kind of, like, a silly sport to watch. I mean, like, there are lots of silly sports to watch. <laughs> like, it's not alone I've in that I've seen speed walking, so <laughs> I feel like it's a little better than that. Do you know that's a course at NC State? You have to like, yeah, you have to like pass a physical like ability test and one of those like physical abilities. Not that like speed walking is like insane. I mean, you got to keep one foot on the ground at all times. Yeah, it's 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 easier to jog. (laughs) It's hard stuff. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, NC State. (laughs) Not making fun of you. I'm going to get all this like hate mail from speed walkers. (laughs) This chick. (laughs) Making fun of us. Yeah. Don't worry. I would see, and that's another thing. I think the ultimate offers a lot of humility, like okay. now. Well, because everyone makes fun of you, and um, like parks departments don't give you permits, and it's like, oh, frisbee. That's not a real sport, and it's like, well, it is. But also now, I have a lot more respect for other things that people do that are athletic. Um, and like after I started playing ultimate, I started playing dodgeball competitively. <laughs> What? Yeah. Wait, what? You did not mention that. Yeah. And <laughs> <At> the top. <laughs> and and I was like, you know, like it's it's a real sport and it's it has strategy and it's super fun and yeah. it's um God's own community. And so I think that like um being on the outside looking in made me realize that a lot of sports are on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, they're they're working their ass off and they're having a lot of fun and there's no reason that an, one sport is better than the other sport just because maybe it's slightly more difficult or like it's more popular. Um, so that's that's something that I've been really fortunate to um, to learn playing ultimate is like everybody's got a got a fun hobby and it's they're all equal and they're all super fun and if people are having a good time then I'm I'm for it. Yeah, oh, that's such a great takeaway. Um, <laughs> I guess what are those? Yeah, what are those communities like? Because I know there's, I'm sure a lot of planning involved. Yeah, the ultimate community. Uh, it's really. I mean, I. It's it's unique and it's also very similar to I think a lot of other communities. Um, it's interesting because it, it even in the New York community. Um, there are lots of these different sub-communities, and some of those are based on um, skill level or commitment level or perspective of what ultimate should be or um, age and location um, or even what division you're playing. Like, there's... It's the, a lot of facets. Yeah, and, um, and like, even the leagues. Like, one of the... Th- I work for this organization called Disc NY, and it's, like, its concept and its origins where 
there are a lot of these ultimate pockets throughout the city. Let's unite them in our love for this sport. Um, and it's still, it's been very trying because you have these like people who identify with these leagues that they're a part of and they have these um, identities where, where they come from and the teams that they play for. And we're trying to like unite them, but it, there's this constant push and pull. Um, people do want to be part of a community, but then they also want to have like protect and be a part of their own community that they feel really comfortable with. Um, so, yeah. And I wish Jordan could talk. He's like, <laughs> you can, can jump on the, on the mic. Cause I feel like he's shaking his head. No. Yeah. Um, cause Jordan and I are probably from similar communities and different communities. Like, um, what is the, the two balls overlapping? Venn diagram. Venn diagram. There you go. Um, so I think like the ultimate communities are very like Venn diagrams all over the place. Yeah. Um, in intersectionality. Can we oh throw my, that yeah. In oh yeah. my gosh. Yes. <laughs> It applies to everything. It's <laughs> a word that is uh, bouncing around the ultimate community these days. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so one of the things, I don't know if it, it definitely didn't start with um, the elections in 2016. It had already had some, some push, um, but there is a big, I think, more light was brought to the areas of like um, some of Ultimate's deficiencies. Um, I think the pro there's a pro league that started, and that also made some waves. So um, I guess I'm getting a little little out into the space. Um, so uh, to br- to quickly give a rundown, um, Ultimate has always considered itself a very gender equitable sport, mm-hmm. um, with equal promotion for the women's division, the men's division, the mixed division. Um, it promotes it. It really loves the fact that it has a mixed division. Um, it thinks that that's its way to the Olympics, promoting like equal representation on the field where two, the two genders um, can play together in a, a meaningful way where each, each gender has like a positive role um, and impact. So um, when the pro leagues came around, they are a men-only league. Mm. And that started this big... Um, concern in the community being like, why isn't there a women's pro league? Why isn't the pro league mixed? Um, there have been these boycotts for the for the pro league. Um, the pro leagues have tried to step up and make sister teams or bring women onto the team or women in coaching positions. Um, so there's been this like um, internal battle there about what it means to be gender equitable. And then and so there's been a lot of talks, and this has been like all over the forums and like very, very prevalent in this uh, community at, at large. And then on, in another sense, um, or on that same line, uh, like what it means to be, um, like what, what are the disparities in ultimate, like the fact that it tends to be a sport that people learn at like college. And so it tends to like, like be heavily white heavily mm-hmm. educated, um, and like usually affluent. Interesting. So it's like, um, how do we counterbalance then that? How do we attract people of color? How do we make ultimate, even though we feel like it's a very open community, how do we make it more accessible? How do we like, um, bring it to people? Um, so the, 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 the that component of ultimate, I feel like people are very 
socially aware or want to be very socially conscious and um, want to reflect their ideals in life onto the sport. And so um, intersectionality has been... (laughs) uh, Like tomorrow, and well, it won't be tomorrow, but in yesterday or when... (laughs) In the yesterdays of Wednesdays, um, there is this woman, Athlete Alley, and I wish I had more... um, details but the the there's a talk for the ultimate community and the topic line is ultimate is a non-binary ultimate is non-binary Ooh, i am messing this up but um it basically talks about gender roles in sport and like um what it means to be non-binary like why do we have to label ourselves female or male and what like what does that mean about the matchups in the sport and like how to be more open to the LGGB community and all of that. So. Yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, it makes complete sense that you would want to bring your values into something that you're excited about, that you're passionate about. What, did we get a title check? We got a title it? check. Yeah. It's The Future is Non-Binary, ah. brought to us by Crosswind. Yeah, thank you, Tour. producer Jordan, for, <laughs> for Googling that. Fact check. <laughs> it's always important live, to have a fact check. Live fact check. Um... <laughs> Yeah, and that's that's a good transition because I was going to ask what what it's like being a woman in that in that space. I guess in sport in general and in the ultimate community. Yeah, I think being I think I'm more conscientious of being a woman in sport as I get older. I think in college I didn't really recognize when I was being put down or like considered secondary and it was more like as people brought it to my awareness I was like oh I am being kind of considered in a second class um like I thought it was really cool I don't know if you follow the bracket the the March Madness bracket I haven't I know it's I know it's happening um (laughs) so the Umbuck Retrievers UMBC um beat the Arizona beat Arizona in the in the 116, right? Is Arizona? I think it's Arizona. Um, Googling again. Yeah. And, um, no, it was Virgi- it was Virginia. Oh, I did Virginia. hear about that. And it was yes. a big upset. Yeah. Ooh, another fact check. God, that's <laughs> awful. Um, yeah, it was, it was Virginia and everyone's like so crazy because this was the first 16 seed to beat a one seed, like busted everybody's bracket because it had never happened before. Um, and something that they pointed out on their Twitter was, that actually a women's team, um, I think Harvard, I'm not sure again of the team details, but they brought it to, you know, they put it out there that like a women's team in the women's bracket, a 16 seed had beaten a one seed before. Mm. And so like everyone was like, oh, the first time in history. And they're like, well, like, let's, let's clarify that a little bit. Um, and also in the, the same bracket thing, like I went on Yahoo and we made a uh, men's bracket and then we went to flip and make a women's bracket and they didn't offer it. Oh. It's just like, come on, Yahoo, you, just, <laughs> you stab me in the heart. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> even if you think UConn's going to win, like you have the platform. It can't take yeah. that much to flip that switch and change some names. Oh. So, um, and just going back to the personal stuff, you said that, so it, it was happening. You just weren't aware of the negative. Yeah. Stuff. You, like, so ultimate has this culture of heckling. 
Um, which I love, like a the lot of other teams or the spectators, the spectators, okay. like, and, and it's usually like, um, your friends or your teammates, like will come and watch. I'm injured right now. So I will like often be on the sidelines and I'll just like make fun of my friends. Um, but it's all like <laughs> good natured. Um, and, uh, and so, but things that you would hear on the sidelines, like, while I thought it was like good natured ribbing was like more like putting down women in sports in general, like watching women's ultimate, um, is like watching ultimate in water in three feet of water. Or like when you watch mixed people would be, um, refer to the women on the field as obstacles. Wow. <laughs> and the, you know, ultimate considers itself in this, like this level of like author- like moral authority, um, that's like built into the game and the rules, um, that they've like trademarked even like a spirit of the game. But I think that a lot of people don't realize like that they're putting forth a lot of negativity and a lot of bias and just like, even when they think they're being funny, it's just like, Oh, that, that was unnecessary. Yeah. You know? So how do you deal? Um, I think that there, in the past, it was more like just ignore it or, um, you know, play harder. Um, but I think right now there's a real push for, to make people aware. And I think, I think even some of the people that would say things in the past that would put people down, um, didn't realize that it wasn't acceptable or it wasn't just fun, um, and I think right now there's a push to just make people aware. Um, cause I think that once, once you, I think self-awareness is re- and self and like that acceptance of your position, um, and not to like spit out one of those beloved words, but privilege, like, yeah. you know, it's, um, I think that that getting to that place is one of the hardest places, like, like in the 12 steps, right? Like the first step, you know? Um, is accepting that you have a problem. Yeah. And it's not that these are like problems per se, but it is problematic. Yeah, absolutely. And it contributes to things outside of ultimate, you know, the, the perspectives that you have and the way you treat people, even in your small community reflect larger in the way that you view the world, um, outside of it. And so I think even if you make a push to say within our community, if you could look at things a little differently, that will reflect on how people perceive the world in a greater way. And I think um, that can have some real push. So it's not just like, I think women are like, stop calling us slow. Like, you know, they're thinking like, treat women with respect. And that's not just in sports, but in everything. Yeah. And so I think that's where a lot of the motivation comes from. And I think a lot of people are trying to do it with um, love and affection because it is very we all do consider ourselves part of this ultimate community. And I think that gives us a safe place to point out some people's problems and say like, hey, you know that you're my friend, but by the way, like this hurts me or you could do this better or I think you need to like learn about this, so. Yeah, I was gonna say, I feel like it's the same tactic in, in life, just making people aware and giving empathy and just having that dialogue, um, and then it just, like you said, it just bleeds out into everything else. Yeah, one of the craziest things my friend who has two kids um, 
ever told me was like, he was just telling a story and he was like teaching his kids empathy. And I was like, oh, you have to teach your kids empathy? And he was like, absolutely. It's a completely learned skill. And that made so much sense to me because um, especially these days, I feel like we're not very empathetic and we live in these echo chambers and it's hard to see outside ourselves. And so I was like, oh, you know, like I have to remember that I have to work on my own empathy, you know, um, because so often like people bother me <laughs> and I people like are the worst yeah, so. and I attribute it to their, they're just being bad people. But it's really like, I need to take a step back and be, um, put myself in their spots and, and it's just like something I constantly, especially in New York city, have to remind myself to do. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. And I don't always succeed. I <laughs> I'm sure when you're on the subway, it's like, oh my God, come on, <laughs> pull it together. Talk about a reason not to let everyone have guns. <laughs> <It's> like the <laughs> subway is like the number one. <laughs> oh boy. Police state. We're, we're very lucky. <laughs> oh. um, okay. I want to transition a little bit. Okay. Cause so you said you're involved in the community and you're, um, you know, doing a lot of work for them. Um, is that more organizational or what does that involve? Yeah. Um, so for Disc and Y, um, I bring my experience. Um, sorry. Can they suck? <laughs> my phone's been buzzing. <laughs> Gentle reminder of my inconsiderateness. <laughs> um, so... For the organization, I try and bring in some, not expertise, but my like experiences, um, and I'm like an advisor or a person that like guides. So a lot of people like they make the decisions and then I, I just contribute my opinions. Um, (laughs) um, so I guess you have that work, then you're involved in dodgeball. You have your, you have your day job. Um, how are you making it all work? Um, so I did play dodgeball, but actually, like, I haven't played in a while. Um, just because Ultimate actually does take a lot of my time. I'm a coach and, um, a player. And then Disc and Y does, like, there's, I run a tournament, um, and then... Who do you coach? NYU. Oh! I I am one of the three head coaches of the NYU men's team that's amazing yeah they're great um our tournament got canceled this weekend so uh northeast travels but um so yeah I I'm a little lost on the on the question yeah just you know making it all making it all work oh um like balancing time exactly okay (laughs) um yeah I think that it comes with the flexibility of my job. Okay. Um, I can't talk enough about how much I love my job, Um, but it's very project-based. So if I need to um, be gone for like, if I need to leave early to go coach, then I can go work at home for a couple hours. As long as I get my projects done, then, then there's no problem. So as long as I'm hitting my deadlines and the work is not um, going down in quality, then they don't care. They're very supportive. Um, in fact, when I started working there and for a couple of years and um, 
I was still working part-time, but they knew I was playing ultimate and they knew I didn't have health insurance and they gave me health insurance. Wow. Yeah. And like, so they're so supportive of ultimate. They're so supportive of like community activism. They love to like support, um, everybody that has interests outside the job. Um, because I think it makes a healthy workforce as well, like to keep everybody happy. But so like with time management, um, I can like very much structure my day to hit the things that I need to hit um, as long as I can assess what my project times will be. So I'll be like, oh, this is going to take me six hours. Cool. I can do some emails now. Okay. Yeah. So just kind of yeah. adjusting it based on. Yeah. I really, I hope that's the future for everyone. I mean, obviously like teachers can't do that, but yeah. like, I feel like with technology, um, the more that we do that kind of thing, like the more people can work their own hours, like the happy they were they will be. Yeah. And I love what you're saying about how your job really encourages people to have, you know, to engage their interests and have complex lives. Like, I feel like that's so important. Yeah. I think it's like, while Google sounds like, like the most amazing place to work, <laughs> um, I think there is something to say about like, um, having a good work life balance and, like that makes you more productive at work and like your experiences outside of work can actually like bring knowledge and efficiency and a new perspective into what you're doing and maybe make you a better employee. Yeah. So love it. (laughs) Love all of that. (laughs) Um, so speaking of things that make you a better employee, uh, anything you want to promote for, frisbee or just thought you want to everyone should know about the community yeah so in general I think everyone should play a sport um and I know like some people don't think the sports are for them and to that I say there is a sport for you you just haven't found it yet um we're moving beings we're meant to be moving um, you can find a sport that's not competitive, um, but like being active should be, it is a part of you, whether you want to deny it or not. And I really challenge people to get out there and try something new. And if you're interested in trying something new, <laughs> um, I think that ultimate is a great place to learn. Um, the community really wants to welcome new people. Um, you know, it's a small community, so it feels, um, it feels tight when you get in it, but it's also like, because it's small, it really wants to get bigger, but it also like, it wants to celebrate who it is. Um, I think the sport is really fun. It's not too challenging, um, depending on how much you're willing to put into it. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hope that people would be interested in playing sports and I hope that ultimate would be one of those things that they would maybe give it a chance. And if you are looking for information on how to play... Now's your chance! <laughs> theme music. DiscNY.org. <laughs> um, D-I-S-C-N-Y.org. D-I-S-C-N-Y okay. .org, um, I will has try to a, include a link. Boom. Oh, <laughs> God. Hitting them on all sides. Yeah. Um, is uh, an information database where we can there are pickup games and you can learn about teams and there's lots of leagues and there's leagues for beginners and there's leagues for the people that know what they're doing and um yeah it feels a little weird to promote it but uh I'm only promoting it because I think that 
it could make your life better. Yeah, that is definitely a good reason. <laughs> so it's not selfish. It's yeah, no. Altruistic. It's for the betterment of society. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, so you've, you've listened to a couple episodes of the podcast, so you know I do the questionnaire at the end yes. if you're game. Sure. Um, and I, I found myself saying this on every episode now, but I keep forgetting to write them down. So I'm just going to do them off the top of my head. Great. Um, and hopefully hit all of them. So the very first question is your go-to pump up song that gets you going. Um, so run the jewels (sighs) is amazing. You can't run a playlist. (laughs) So good. <laughs> um, I saw them in concert recently. It's just like, oh, God, they just put on such a good show. But um, there's not one song that you can't put on there that I just won't start pumping my fist to and, like, getting all psyched up and jittery. And yeah. I can't listen to them at work. Because <laughs> <laughs> just start punching Yeah, it's like, like just hitting that computer keyboard. <laughs> so that, that, that anything by, uh, yeah. by Run the Jewels. A+. Plus. Um, go to snack that also gets you going. Um, all right. I'll be honest. Uh, fiber one bars. Really? Yeah. I eat like four of those a day. It's so bad. It's like. You do you. I, I have a Costco membership and they sell them for like 36 for like nine bucks. And so I just have them at my desk and it's like. I could make myself something, or I could have another this, chocolate bar. This, like, tasty, healthy treat. <sighs> healthy. That's just a lie. <laughs> it's just a lie I tell myself every time. Fiber. <laughs> sure. But um, <laughs> if I had unlimited funds, sushi would be my go-to Ooh, snack. That's good, too. No. Yeah, not not together with the bars, but... I can't go wrong with the bars. <laughs> I think there's something like addictive in him because I'll finish a meal and then be like, definitely, I should have a fiber one. Bar <laughs> I would not be surprised if that was the case. Ugh, so um, bad. <laughs> so you just won a game or accomplish something at work. What do you do or buy to treat yourself? Ooh, um, I really like pink berry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That feels like an indulgence. Um, yeah. I would so fancy. Yeah, uh, I might give myself a high five. Um, you know, self That's high a nice fives. Little treat. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't really celebrate retail therapy, um, but sometimes I'll just like look at cool stuff on the internet. Amazon has this, it's so dumb. I won't buy it, but Amazon has this, like, they have these happy little creatures above the, the bar, the nav bar, and you can click on them and it's like all this really cutesy, cool stuff. Like, um, like Miyazaki stuffed animal towels (laughs) and like, um, plants, like special planters and like little figurines that you don't need. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, I'll just scroll that for about 20 minutes. (laughs) Dream knickknacks. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Have an exciting life. (laughs) You got, you got to have something to like reach for. Yeah. Um, so that's true yourself. Um, if you could collaborate with anyone in the world, alive or dead, who would it be? Ooh, collaborate. Yeah. Um, I would, like, 
if Serena Williams wanted to like come and hang out and talk to me about how she's so awesome <laughs> and like her life, um, I don't know that she'd like anything she'd want to do. I'd be happy to collaborate with. Like if she wanted to promote like her brand of like socks, I I would. I would give her all my money. <laughs> yeah. So she's uh she's somebody that I think can do no wrong. Yeah. I feel like that's a very apropos choice and she's generally awesome. So <sighs> she won an open pregnant like yeah. She's the fucking bot. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. No, you can swear. It's okay. fine. <laughs> I mean she is. We're, yeah. <laughs> We're way past that point. Okay. Already. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Earmuffs children. Earmuffs. Ear um, and then finally, any advice to any sideliners? You kind of gave a little bit of of opening, but anyone who wants to, you know, try a sport or try a new activity and uh, or a project and haven't done it yet, what would you say? Um, I would say celebrate failure. Um, get ready to be humble and get ready to like enjoy that feeling. Um, we're not often humbled in our lives because we constantly live lives of repetition or comfort and with sports or with anything new, um, that challenge is exciting. Um, and it's something novel and while it is difficult, it's also like thrilling and something we should celebrate and work to like keep in our lives. And so just like challenging yourself in sports um, you know, really, really like the emotional side of it, not just the physical side, but the, the mental side and, and be okay with failure. It's really okay. That's beautiful. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, no, I'm I feel emotional. like it's like rambling. Yeah, no, that's an awesome place to end it. Um, thank you so much. Thank this you. Great. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks Jordan. Thank you again to Julie for joining me. Be sure to check out Disc NYC or your local Ultimate Frisbee chapter or try a new sport. Pick up something new. Get active in the spring. Be sure to check us out on social uh, at OTS on Instagram and the On The Side Facebook page and stick around next week for an all new Lessons Learned. And as always, keep hustling.